The things of earth are teeming In the light of your glory and grace I'll set the sights upon heaven I'm fixing my eyes on you see all of you. Uh, welcome. Welcome to Trinity Bible Church. So glad that you guys are here. Um, thanks that you have uh, put aside some time. On a Sunday morning, the first day of the week, we gather here as a church to worship the Lord together, and we gather here to, uh, to honor God with all that uh, He has done in our lives, and not only all that He has done, but who He is. And so we're very glad that, um, that we can gather here to worship the Lord together. And we're going to worship God in many different ways. We're going to worship God through music in just a minute. Uh, worship God through the opening of his word and, of course, through prayer and through a time of fellowship. This is an exciting season, isn't it? An exciting time of year. And I, I trust that it is um, a time that you've anticipated because this season, this Christmas season, is filled with anticipation as we anticipate the celebration of the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, of course, he will be our focus today, the Lord Jesus. We want his name to be glorified in all that we do. So again, thank you for joining us. Uh, what I'd like to do now is I'd like to read from the word of the Lord. And so listen, because this is the word of God, and this will uh, be our call to worship this morning, when, we're, when I'm done reading, I'll pray and I'll invite you to stand as we uh, enjoy some time of worship through song. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, your name is holy. The angels came and declared the birth of the Messiah, the long-awaited Lord and Savior. Father, we want to worship you now, as the angels did, as the angels proclaimed the birth of Messiah, to the shepherds in the fields that night. Father God, may we worship and honor you in all that we do this morning with the same heart of thankfulness, with the same call of joy and praise. May that be what comes from our hearts this morning, Lord. And Father, we know those angels told the shepherds, do not be afraid for this is good news of great joy. We thank you for good news of great joy, that good news that has shown us salvation and that good news that has brought us everlasting joy. So God, we worship and honor you now with that same joy and that same sense of awe and that same heart of wonder for who you are. Jesus, may you be glorified now in all that we say and do. In your wonderful and powerful and matchless name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship the Lord together. Oh 
soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbid to shine, but God who called me here below will be forever mine. Will be forever mine. You are forever mine. You were the word at the
Praise the Lord. Why don't you take a moment to greet one another, somebody that's right around you, and say good morning in the name of the Lord. Sitting over there. Well, why don't you uh, make your way back to your seat? We always uh, have plenty of time after service as well to, uh, to say good morning. And uh, this is a good reminder, too, that we do have extended fellowship in the morning. And so um, you can always come early at 9.45. We have uh, coffee and breakfast. There's always some light breakfast and coffee. And so uh, consider doing that. Come, just get up a little bit earlier and come out earlier and enjoy some fellowship pre-service fellowship and get to catch up with some people, but it's always good to, uh, to see one another, especially if it's been a long week. I mean, just about everybody that I asked this morning, how was your week? Everybody kind of had the same answer. It was a long week, right? And, um, but aren't we glad that, um, that the joy that we have in the Lord is our strength? It's the Lord's joy that we have in Him, and that's not based on our circumstances, amen? It's not based on what's going on around us, and so we can always say we have joy in the Lord, no matter what is happening in our lives. But we are uh, grateful, and this is a season of being grateful and thanking God for his blessings. And so um, before we dive into God's word together, as we love to do here, let's just get caught up in a few things of church life. And so first, I just wanted to remind you that there is an open house today at the Wittels. And so we would love to have all of you come out. about where we are, but uh, I'll go ahead and post that on the website as well.
but you can turn to it in your, in your Bibles. You bring them with you. That would be wonderful if you do. I highly encourage that. You can open your Bible app. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 to 17. And it's simply titled, The Everyday Christian Life. And so uh, I'm going to read it in just a minute. It's, it's up there. And, um, you know, my son and I uh, have just started, my son Luke and I have just started going through a, uh, a devotional. It was his idea, and I love it. And he said, Dad, let's go through a father-son devotional together. And it's called The Intentional Father. The Intentional Father. And it's written by his pastor, uh, Pastor John Tyson of Church of the City in New York City, where he attends. And it's a wonderful book, and we're going through it chapter by chapter and, and uh, kind of taking to heart the things that he's talking about. But even in the title, it says so much, the intentional father. Are we intentional about the lives we are leading? Are we intentional about how we are parenting our children? Are we intentional about how we are discipling others? Are we intentional about how we are being friends to one another? That word intentional has a lot of power, doesn't it? Intentional means it doesn't just happen, you hope that it happens, or you just react to something. Intentional means you go out of your way to be thoughtful and to think something through, right? And to have a plan and to actually take the time to do something and to do it right because you value its importance. You know, um, there's a story of a father and son who went fishing, and uh, they were fishing, and after a couple hours, they were kind of hanging out in the boat, and uh, the boy suddenly became curious, and he was a young boy, maybe five or six, and he was curious about the world around him and what he was experiencing there with his dad fishing on the boat. So he asked his father, he says, Dad, how does this boat float on the water? The father thought for a minute, and he says, I, I don't really know, son. So the boy returned to just fishing with his dad, and after a few minutes, he kept thinking, and he turned back to his dad, and he said, Dad, how do the fish breathe underwater? And once again, the father replied, I, I don't really know, son. A little later, the boy asked his dad, Dad, why is the sky blue? And again, the father thought and replied, I don't really know, son. So a few more minutes went by, and, and the, the young boy was worried that he was going to annoy his father. So he said, Dad, do you mind me asking you all of these questions? His dad said, no, of course not, son. Said, if you don't ask questions, you'll never learn anything. <laughs> See, we have lots of questions, don't we, about how things work in this world. I remember my son Luke, when he was younger, asking all kinds of questions, a very curious young boy, and, and he would always love to know how stuff worked, even to the point of where he would take things apart to try to figure out how it worked. Now, the putting back together wasn't always so good, but he got better as he got older. And, and we love to watch some of those, those shows, you know, on the Nature, History Channel, Discovery Channel, and they would, you know, show you how stuff worked, right, or how things were made. And you've seen those shows. We love to watch those shows just to, to see what was going on and, and how certain things would, would work and operate and work together and how they were actually created. And so I love the fact that my son said, Dad, let's go through this devotional together 
It's called the intentional father. But you know, we have a father in heaven who is also very intentional with us, don't we? He doesn't just create us and let us go our own way. He's very intentional about how he parents us. So we read through the pages of Scripture, and we see that God is very clear about what he expects of us. In this season, we are are celebrating the birth of the Lord Jesus. And our Father was very clear all the way from the opening pages of Scripture in Genesis. He was very clear that he would send a Messiah. And as the story unfolds, and as you turn the pages of the Bible itself, that story becomes more and more clear with more and more detail filled in. Remember we went through the book of Genesis and we saw God creating. The first uh, um, 11 chapters of Genesis were the the beginnings or the foundation of humankind. And then the rest of the the book of Genesis is about the foundations of the, the Hebrew people, right? The Hebrew race, the human race and the Hebrew race. And God is developing his story, filling in a lot of detail. And there's so many prophecies, meaning truth that will occur in the future, written in the Old Testament about Jesus himself, that Jesus comes and fulfills literally 100% all of them. Is that amazing? And so God is a God of details, and God is an intentional Father who loves to make promises, but to also tell us and show us how things work and how things are made and More importantly, what is expected of us? Who he is and who we are in him. And so the Apostle Paul, in our our study through Colossians, the Apostle Paul is telling this church just who they are, and then, of course, who Jesus Christ is. And that's why we we call this series Greater Than, because if nothing else, the, the book of Colossians In it, God reminds us through the Apostle Paul about the preeminence of Jesus, about who Jesus is. You can ask a lot of friends that aren't yet believers in Jesus about who he is, and they might be able to tell you a few things that he taught, and he was a good man of peace and a good rabbi, a good teacher. They'll create their own biography of who they think Jesus is or who they think he should be. But that's why we preach through the book of the Bible. That's why we read the Bible for ourselves, so that we can learn from God himself who this true Jesus is. Look, if we are celebrating the birth of Jesus, we need to know who he is. He was a baby born in a manger over 2,000 years ago. But he's so much more, isn't he? And so that's why we are to keep our eyes focused on him. And so last week, if you remember... In the first four verses of Colossians 3, we saw that Paul made it very clear that we are to set our minds on things above, where Christ is, in heaven, and not on things of the earth. That was the main point from last week's message. So Paul was making a point, set your minds, what you think about is important, he's saying, set your minds on things above, where Christ is, not on things of the earth. You see, there is a world of difference between heaven and earth. There couldn't be a greater difference. 
You know, one of the other things that I love to do with my son Luke, especially growing up, was to watch movies. And I take full credit for getting him into Star Wars, and he's a huge Star Wars fan. And now he works in the film industry, and I'd like to take a little bit of credit for that as well. I was a very intentional father, and I said, Luke, this is what you got to do, become a filmmaker, right? <laughs> and so I loved Star Wars growing up, and I've talked about it many times from up here, and I got him into it. And one of the things that we love, right, about movies like that, these great epic stories, is that it is, at its essence, good versus evil, isn't it? Like any great epic story throughout human history, it is about good versus evil. The Bible is about good versus evil. And see, there's, there's no greater dichotomy. There's no greater contrast of two things in good versus evil. So in our passage today, what we see Paul do is he makes this great distinction between heaven and earth. You've got good versus evil. He talks about old versus new, heaven versus earth. And he says, where are your thoughts? Where is your mind? Where is your heart? Last week he said, set your minds on things above where Christ is, not on things of the earth. Do you see the difference? And you will, the, the Bible will make so much more sense to you as you read it, any part of it, Genesis to Revelation, if we understand at the very least that going into it, that there is a huge difference between what happens in heaven and what happens on earth. Did Jesus not teach us in his prayer to pray that? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, over 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ was born. It was like heaven coming to earth. It was Jesus, God in the flesh, coming to dwell among us. That's why we sing Emmanuel. He is our Emmanuel, God with us. And so you're going to see in this passage today that Paul becomes very intentional like an intentional father here's what Paul does he gives us details about what it looks like to set our minds on things above where Christ is and not on things of the earth because yes it would have been fine if he would have left it just in the first four verses right I mean it, it's important enough to understand we get the principle let's set our minds on Christ and not on the things of the earth because the things of the earth, as we looked at last week, are temporary, right? We can't take them with us, and they will, they will fade and die away, but Christ and his word will live forever, amen? And so that's why we are to set our minds on those things. But then what Paul does, and we're going to see this in our passage today, is Paul gets very specific. Sometimes when the Bible gets specific, we get a little nervous. Because Paul is going to give us two lists of things. These are not exhaustive by any measure. But he gets specific and he gives us two lists. He says, here's the things that represent what you used to be, how you used to think. That's the old self. You died to those things. Remember last week we saw that? You died to those things. Then he's going to give us a list. He says, but you should be thinking about these new things. Because it's Heaven versus earth. It is the old versus the new. And so that's what he's talking about. So as I 
read this now, just picture, picture what it looks like to take something old that you've worn for a long time. Maybe you even loved it, but you realize this is not me anymore, and you throw it out, and you get rid of it because you have a new identity in Jesus Christ. So Paul gets very specific, so I hope you're ready, because he is representing a very intentional father, our Father in heaven, who loves us so much that he gets very specific with us about things that we should be avoiding, putting to death, he says, putting aside, taking off, and the things Here's what it says. Colossians 3, 5-17. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord to us this morning. You know what, church, I think? I think the next time that we're wondering, I wonder what God wants us to do with our lives. How about we turn to Colossians 3, 5 to 17? That should keep us busy until he calls us home, shouldn't it? <laughs> and we can focus on each one of these things individually. There's so much that he mentions that we are to put off, and then the things that we are to put on. So those four brief things in our time remaining together I want to highlight. Of course, like I said, there's so much in here, we could spend our lifetime unpacking these verses and, and, and uh, going through the process of, of relying on the Holy Spirit within us to actually practice these things and to actually do it. That's a great preface right there. Before we get into the details of this and unpack some of it ourselves 
Remember that, church. This is not, the Christian life is not an attempt to just try harder. It's about surrendering more. See the difference? Talk about a world of difference and a dichotomy. It's not just us trying to to muster up enough holiness to do these things. It's about relying on the strength of the Lord. It's about surrendering ourselves to him. See, our strength, our success in living out the everyday Christian life is really all about surrender. Now that seems like it doesn't go together, right? Because I feel like, uh, you know, that what we are taught to do in, in our society, anywhere around the world, but especially here, we are we're taught that we can do it, and we can do it all ourselves, and we are responsible ourselves, and we can handle it, and we can be independent. Do you know, as Christians, we have become completely dependent. Do you know that? Paul is saying you used to be independent, and look how it worked out. All the things you used to follow. You are now completely dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ. Dependent so much that we are to surrender to him each and every day so that we can put on these new things and take off these old things. Because the person has been made new, so now our practice and how we live our lives should match our new identity. That's what Paul is saying. Because in the first four verses we looked at last week, he reminded us, church, of our new identity and who we are in Christ. And we are to set our minds on things above. And now he's given us some examples on how to do that. So four things I want us to see. First, he talks about taking off the old, putting on the new, number two. Number three is it says that we are being renewed in knowledge. It's all about our thinking. And and what are we thinking? What are we setting our everyday minds of? And then fourth, he says, most importantly, put on love, because it's all wrapped up. So let's start with the first one. Things that we are to take off. It says right there, put to death, therefore, what is earthly. Do you see the preface right there? What he's saying, he's like, all these things I'm about to tell you and list, these are the way that earthly-minded people think. He's saying, this is the way you used to be. But he's imploring us, saying, you're not like that anymore in Jesus. You're made new. So why do you still do these old things? You're not a slave to those anymore. He says, put to death, therefore... What is earthly in you? There's that old saying that we need to know what the therefore is there for. Why does he say therefore? Because of what he said in the first four verses and what he was saying in the first two chapters. He's like, you are new in Christ, so set your mind on things above. He says, therefore, do this. Put to death these things. He doesn't just say, set them aside for once in a while, it's okay. Put to death seems pretty final, doesn't it? Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And he gives a list. Sexual immorality. That's a big phrase right there. There's much that's involved in that. And I think we all know what that looks like in our lives and in the people's lives around us. The things that we are to avoid. It is, you know, today, uh, I was just talking to a parent this week about how sexual immorality is so rampant among um, the young people today. And they were talking about how it's what's going on in schools, and it wasn't like that when she was younger. Yes, that I can agree, but you know that sexual immorality has been rampant in the human race since time began? 
since the fall. I mean, we say for 2,000 years the existence of the church, but for 4,000 years before that, he says, put off these things, put them to death, sexual immorality. Remember, he's talking about the things that we are to set our minds on. If he says, set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth, he's like, these are the things of earth that you have to avoid and put to death completely. Sexual immorality. Impurity goes along right with that. Passion and evil desire. Passion in and of itself can be a good thing, but in the context, I think we understand what he's talking about. Giving in to those sinful, evil passions and desires. And covetousness, which is idolatry. Wanting what the other person has. Right? So much of our world is based upon telling us what we should have. What it should look like to live the happy, successful life. And it's all to get us truly to try to want what somebody else has that we don't have. And he says, he says put to death covetousness, which is idolatry. Because when we are setting up things that we have or what other people have other than God, they become an idol. And we all know what that can be in our lives. And he says, put them to death. Verse 6, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. He's saying all the way back from Genesis, all the way back from the fall when Adam and Eve sinned. He's like, because of that, death entered into the world, right? But that's why he had to send a Savior. That's where we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah. But he said, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Jesus will return as judge. He says, in these, verse 7, in these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now, see the transition? That was you, so put to death those things, but now you must put them all away. And he gives some more. Anger. How are you doing with your anger management? Wrath. It's not a word we use a lot especially in interpersonal relationships, right? I am going to pour out my wrath on you. I'm so mad at you. Maybe you might feel like that. It's a strong word. Anger, wrath. Anger you might feel, but wrath is more of like putting that anger into action, right? So he's saying not only the anger in your heart, but acting out in that anger. Wrath with not only physical Wrath, but with your words. When's the last time you said something that you now really regret? Or perhaps somebody said something to you in anger, and you're still dealing with it. Years and years later, the word of a parent when we were a child can still be affecting us today. I see it every time that I counsel as we go through the pages of scripture and look at what God says about the human heart so often church so often I see the words of a parent to a child still affecting the life of that child now as a full grown adult you know what I'm talking about he says not only put them to death put them all away anger, wrath, malice slander, there it is, and even obscene talk. 
from your mouth. Then it continues in verse 9. He says, don't lie to one another. Boy, he's really pouring it on, isn't he? (laughs) See that you have put off your old self. See what I'm talking about? He says, put to death, put them away, put them off. He's trying to say them with its practices. And then verse 10, having put on the new self. See the old and the new, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of our creator. We're going to get to that in a moment. So put off those things. Okay, we put them off, or what are we to put on? These are the things we are to embrace. If we're putting off these things because we died in Christ, or I put them to death, then when we are to put something on, it means we are embracing the new. Embracing the newness. Look at verse uh, 12 through 14. He says, put on then. See, isn't Paul good? He doesn't just say, get rid of these things. Like, well, what are we doing in, in its place? Put on these things as chosen ones of God, holy and beloved. He's like setting us up. He's like, remember, you're holy, beloved, God's chosen. Now act like it. So what are we to put on? Compassionate hearts. Not anger and malice and wrath. Compassionate hearts. Kindness. Boy, doesn't kindness go a long way these days? Did you ever notice just being kind to someone in a simple way seems to get a lot of attention when it used to be maybe more commonplace, just being kind. So he says, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility. Let's pause there for a second. Oftentimes, officiate weddings. I will read a passage from Scripture. We won't read it today, but it's Philippians chapter 2. Verses 1 to 11. You want to learn about humility, how to be humble? Then look up and read Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Because in that passage, the Apostle Paul, again, he, he lays out the case for Christ being the greatest example of humility ever. Because in that passage, he said, Christ, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, himself up for us. Jesus, the only one who walked this earth as a human being that had the right to claim all that God is and has, he didn't even consider that. So he would go to the cross for us. The greatest act of humility. What does humility mean? I mean, I think we have a general idea, but humility in, in a nutshell is thinking of others before we think of ourselves. In thinking of yourself less, like having less self-esteem? No, like putting yourself down. Our theme for this year, he must increase, we must decrease. It's about putting Christ first, putting others first. Loving God, loving others, see? Humility. Not putting yourself up. So that's one of the things we are to put on. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Verse 13, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. Stop there for a second. You might ask, why do I have to forgive that person that hurt me, changed my life the way they hurt me and what they did and what they said? Because Christ has forgiven you. 
We ought to remember who we were. Paul doesn't say forget about who you were, but he says put those things off. You no longer act that way because you are a new person in Jesus Christ. So we put off, we put to death the old, we put on and embrace the new. It's like putting on new clothes. Some of you might wear a uniform to work. We know what that's like. Maybe you do. Maybe in your past you have. So we understand what it's like to to put on a uniform when we go to work. Because that uniform is meant for a few different things, but mostly to show that you represent right, a certain identity, a certain uh, um, identity as a professional, as a worker, somebody who represents a company. right? You wear a uniform, and it shows that you are identified with that role or that job. We know how that works. So what if you are a police officer, and you're wearing the uniform of a police officer, But then you decide to change, say, no, I've always wanted to be a firefighter. And so you go through the process, you become a firefighter. When you become a firefighter, are you still going to wear the police uniform? No, you're not. A simple example. But I think we understand what that looks like. If you are wearing the uniform of a job, you leave that job and get another job, are you going to still wear the old uniform? When I was a teenager, I worked at a restaurant near my house. It was called Bonanza. Did you ever hear of that one? Not around much anymore. Some of the older people like me remember that. It had like, you know, mediocre steaks and a salad bar and all that. So I wore the uniform and I represented Bonanza. Big shirt, Bonanza, staff, the hat, all that stuff, the name tag, right? So I was there for a summer. The next summer I worked down the road at another now defunct restaurant, I don't think it was me, called Steak and Ale. Oh, it's a little step up, a little bit, you know, more quality in the, in, in the food and all that. So now I had to put on the steak and ale hat, the steak and ale shirt, and the steak and ale name tag. You see what I'm getting at? I had an identity that I represented that particular place in that job, and I wore the uniform to match it. And then I moved to a different place, and I had to change my uniform. When Paul says to put off in the original language... It's like putting on clothes, taking off old clothes, putting on new clothes. And so Paul is saying, you are a new person in Christ. Take off the old garments you were wearing, the, what represented the old self, and put on the new. Don't we love to, we go shopping, we get some new clothes, maybe for Christmas, it's on your Christmas list, right? You want some new socks and ties, don't you, Dad? Yeah, of course. Hmm. And you put those things up. We love to put on the new stuff. But he is saying, put on the new uniform of being a child of God. Put it on. Because your identity is already new. This is a clear distinction, church. It's important we get it. Putting on the stuff, the new stuff, doesn't make us a Christian. He says, you're already a believer. You have this new identity. Now act like it. Now wear the uniform that matches it. Set your minds on things above where Christ is. No longer on the earth. He goes, this is the way you used to be. Now you're like this. See the difference? It's a world of difference. It's a difference between heaven and earth. Two more quick things. He says in verse 10, remember it's all about the mind. When he says put it to death, and he says put on the new stuff, in verse 
10, he says, you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Let's make sure we don't miss that. You put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of God. Three things in there. Being renewed is an ongoing process, church. You don't become a Christian and then all the other stuff fades away and, and you're, already, you're automatically holy and thinking holy thoughts, right? We know that from experience, don't we? And so it's about being renewed. This is a daily thing. Again, it's the everyday Christian life. It's every day opening the Word of God. It's every day praying. It's every day being connected with God. So we learn more about Him and what He expects of us. Maybe you've never read this passage before. Wow, I didn't know that was in there. I mean, it makes sense. I know I'm supposed to flee sexual immorality, but He gives a whole list. Anger and wrath and malice and obscene talk. All of those things. But it's being renewed, but how? In knowledge. See that? Here at Trinity, we talk about our core values, learn and grow and serve. It starts with learn for a purpose, for a reason. We have to start with learning the truth before we can grow in faith. See that? We learn the truth by opening God's word. So he says you're being renewed every day as you read the word in knowledge. And what is that word going to teach us? Look what it's going to teach us. How we are created in the image of of God. Why should we treat others with humility and kindness and compassionate hearts like he says? Why? Because every person that you see throughout every day is made in the image of God. That is why we are to treat others as we would treat ourselves as Jesus teaches us. We are all created. No matter what your ethnicity, no matter what your background, no matter your economic status, none of that He even says, in Christ now, what does he say? He goes, hey, look, in Christ, there's there's no Greek or Jew anymore. There's no circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. See how he talked about all these opposites, heaven and earth, Greek and Jew and slave and free. He's just like, it's, we're all one in Christ. You You are in Christ now. You have all that you need. All that you are is wrapped up in him. And so he says, now, That's how we are to treat each other, because we're all created in his image. So what he's telling us, he says, it's being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Remember that? Being renewed every day in the knowledge, meaning it's the word of God. Why? Because we need to be conformed to the image of God. We're made in his image, but because of sin, that image has been tainted So now we're made new. We are to live as the new people we are in Christ. And then finally, in verse 14, we end with this. What does he say in verse 14? He says, and above all these, put on love. How about that? Above all these, put on love. So he gives us a list. Put to death all these things. And put on all these things. These are the good stuff. But he says, you know what? We wrap it all up. We say, above everything else, put on love. Because all these things fall under love. And he says, if you put on love, then what? It binds everything together in perfect harmony. Did you ever hear a choir 
sing. And there's just that one person that just can't seem to get it and stay in tune. And you know, it's, it would sound so beautiful. Everybody would be in perfect harmony if it wasn't for that one voice. Maybe you're thinking, yeah, I remember in school, that was me. I was that one voice. Paul is saying, if we just, we do these things, we forgive each other, we have compassionate hearts, we're humble he says, above all these things, put on love. He, he's not discounting the other things he just mentioned, but he says, supremely, it's above all is love. Why? Because love binds them all together. Right? Does not God say he is love? God is love. Church, would you stand with me? I want to read one more verse before I close in prayer. If what Paul is saying is true, and we believe it is, that above all these things we are to put on humility, compassionate hearts, kindness towards one another, forgiveness, because we are forgiven, he says above all, put on love. What is love? How do we describe love? 1 Corinthians 13 is often called the love chapter. I want to read this before I close us in prayer today. Maybe you're familiar with it, but take a, take a new and fresh look at it. What is love that we are to put on above all else? Love is patient. Love is kind. Have you been patient and kind with the people in your life? Love does not envy, and it doesn't boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. How are you doing with that these days? It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things, for love never ends. Father God, we thank you for being an intentional father. Thank you for loving us with such intentionality that you sent us your son, Jesus Christ. For you so loved the world that you sent your only son that whoever would believe in him would not die but have everlasting life. We thank you for that truth and for that promise. God, if there is anyone here in this building today, anyone here that has not yet recognized your love in the person of Jesus Christ, the Savior come to die for their sin. Father God, grab a hold of their heart and mind right now. And I ask you, if you are here today and, and you have not yet put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, today is the day. Today is the day. The scriptures tell us over and over, we thank you, God, for that, that it is all about belief. Believe in the Lord Jesus and we'll be saved. Believing that you are who you say you are, Jesus, and that you did what you said you were going to do. You came and you were born, and you were born with a purpose, and that was to die in our place. Father God, especially this time of year, we celebrate the birth of that Savior, that long-awaited Messiah, that long-awaited promise that you kept. But Father, we know that he was born for a reason, 
born to die for us. May we always remember that. God, since you sent your son to die for us, we want to live for you. Father, finally, as we leave this place until we meet again, Lord God, would you please help us through the power and leading of your Holy Spirit to put off, to put to death, to put away all of these things that we used to focus on and help us, Lord God, through your power to put on the new and to be loving and compassionate and forgiving and bearing with one another, even those, especially those who hurt us. But Lord, above all, help us to put on love for you, our, our love. Show us, Lord God, how to love, how to be patient and kind and not envious or boasting, Lord God. Show us the way to do those things. Help us, Lord God. And we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Let us go in the love of God. Praise him. I can do anything.